0: it is welcome everybody to the trap podcast i am your host bill botch we got special guest kyle botch in the building as well actually not in the building we got him on the phone line we have an exciting episode for you guys tonight big shout out to neil villapano those two devil tickets for next Thursday versus Columbus. I want to see you get nuts, Neil. Welcome, everyone. So, let's get right to it. Uh, Kyle, you there, buddy? I
1: am. Hey,
0: Bill. Thanks for having me. What's up, brother? Um... Okay, well, where do we start? Um, Kyle, I know you're under a time crunch, so we'll get into last night's game and uh, maybe a little bit of a preview for Thursday night's game versus the Rangers, Um, and then you can hop off, and I could handle uh, some stuff that I kind of wanted to go over. Regarding the Devils clinching for the first time since the 2017-2018 season, the Taylor Hall year, which in my opinion was a bit of a fluky season. He definitely held the team literally on his back. Um, But you saw what happened afterwards. It was, uh, it was a free fall for sure. And you know that you can't rely on one guy to lead an entire team to the promised land. So um, we're going to, I'm going to get into how the devils got to where they are today. Uh, You know, made the playoffs for the first time in a decade besides that Taylor Hall year. And then we'll follow up with a a part two episode that'll go into where the Devils are going. So let's start off and go over the game last night. Obviously, the Devils were on Long Island last night. They lost the game five to one, and you knew it was going to be a tough one. The, the Islanders are are fighting for a playoff spot right now and they play a very structured muck the middle of the ice up good along the boards heavy playoff type team you know that's the type of game they play that's the type of team that they are you knew it was going to be a tough one you knew that they were going to give the devils all that they had and i didn't feel good about this one from the beginning didn't you know the game last night and the game thursday are huge tests for the devils going into the playoffs. These are big games, and I think it's a good uh, it's a good measuring stick for the team to really see where they are. And I can't help but feel like right now it feels like they're kind of limping into the playoffs a little bit. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, last night was tough. I mean, <clears throat> like you were saying, I mean, that's a they played a Lou esque type you know game, um, which is to be which is to be expected. Uh, we had a couple defensive breakdowns. Um, I think Graves had a really good game and I'm not just calling him out. I'm not blaming him for anything. Uh, Sorokin, I thought had a really played incredible. So you know things just didn't necessarily come together. Um, we weren't able to capitalize on some high-scoring opportunities. Again, Sorokin played really well, and the Islanders executed on the opportunities that they had. Uh, where where we kind of broke down.
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we can get. Into, I want we're going to get into some players here that might not have uh, had their best game last night. You know, the guy that's like a little concerning to me who I'm noticing is kind of been struggling as of late and no one wants to admit it is John Marino. John Marino is having a bit of a tough time recently. He's obviously an incredibly smart hockey player. Coming to the Devils, he was, in my opinion, the biggest surprise on the team. The, The way that he handled himself the first half of the season. I still think he's a great defenseman, but he's definitely... Kind of found himself in a little bit of a uncharacteristic, uh, you know, couple games here as of late. He had our lowest. If you look at this um, scorecard last night, uh, hockey stats card, Dom Lechizin, he was the lowest ranked player on the ice, and you noticed it. I mean, it's like everybody's kind of calling Graves out, and Graves did not have a good game. Graves is kind of struggled with Marino. So the two of them are kind of parlaying their troubles. But um you know, everybody's kind of on graves because of that one play in front of in front of the net. You know, the truth is Marino had pinched. He was caught out of position, but the puck was along the wall and Miles Wood had the puck on his stick with time and had a chance to get it deep and instead he turns the puck over, it turns into an odd man rush the other way. Now Graves actually defended the play pretty well. He was out in, he, you know, people thought he was too far away from the net or like wasn't on top of Paul Mary as, as quickly as they would like him to be, which I understand. But you have to remember that he had a guy back door. So he was kind of trying to prevent that back door pass. And you would rather prevent the back door pass and let the guy go wide around you and hope that you have recovery coming from your back checkers down the ice and Wood actually came back and skated hard back. But then when it got, when he got to Paul Mary, he just didn't do anything. He just stuck his stick out and Paul Mary kind of just skated right around him. You have to just lay into him at that point. So it was, it was breakdowns by multiple players on that play. And um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I love graves. I'm not, blaming him I think it could maybe uh, and again I understand exactly what you're saying And I think he was trying to I don't think that he was positionally terrible maybe a little you know gave a little bit of room but I understand exactly what you're saying it's like you know picking up the the, the free guy and hoping that Banachek can make a save I think it got a little bit maybe amplified because again is kind of a a fluky thing, but he fell down on that first goal, which allowed, you know, uh,
0: the
1: Islanders first goal. So it was just, you know,
0: he's had, he's had a couple giveaways recently that have cost us. And um, yeah, he's, he's struggled. And I think him and Marino are struggling for the first time really. And it's kind of awkward to see. I mean, you, you expect Graves to have his games where he has his ups and his downs, but Marino, for the most part, is a kind of, you, you don't even have to, you, that's a guy that you never worry about. And recently, he just hasn't really looked like himself to me. Um, and I'm not worried about him. But I would like to start seeing this team get prepared for the playoffs because at this point, you, you lost a big game that, first of all, you lost a game in Buffalo, which you, you got to win. If you're trying you have a chance to win the division right now you lose the game in buffalo you play a game versus ottawa that was good but it wasn't great um a struggling ottawa team and then you go to the island and you you just didn't finish and you can't keep bringing up the fact that the devils are getting goalied now sorokin if you go back and you like, I, I think I did, Uh, I picked like who would win the heart and who would win the Vesna or, or whatever. Sorokin, he's one of the guys, man. Like I think Sorokin is just as good as Shesterkin. I'm not just saying that because of the game that he played last night. Like I, I've always thought that Sorokin was going to be one of the top goaltenders in the league. And you saw last night, the, the positioning, the side to side movement, like he did not look flustered at all. If you go to the heat map, the Devils just had so many good scoring opportunities and they, they just couldn't put the puck in the net. I mean, if you look at expected goals through all situations, the Devils leaded the Islanders the entire game. So the Devils were expected to score 4.97 goals based upon the shots they took and how they played. And they only scored one goal. So, I mean, Sorokin really, Kind of dominated this entire game on the deserved to win meter. The Devils were at seventy four point five percent compared to twenty five point six percent. And I know that the games are played on the ice, but the point is the Devils did dominate some of the play. But Sorokin just looked so sharp; there was not getting nothing by him. And on the other end, you had Vitek um, Vanacek, who played a good game, but his expected goals against was two point eight seven, and he let up three. So. When you have a goalie who is beating their expected goals against by literally four goals and then you are letting up, you know, a, a quarter of a percentage more of a goal than you should be letting up, it's hard to win a game. So I don't, I don't see a world where Vanacek is going to outduel a Sorokin, and this is kind of what scares me about the Devils' potential first-round playoff matchup. It looks like they're going to play the Rangers. And that's why I really mm-hmm. was hoping that they were going to play a little bit harder with a little more desperation in these last couple of games with Carolina within reaching, you know, within arm's length, missing Savetchnikov, a hard schedule. I thought that if the Devils could possibly get a couple of quick wins versus the Buffalo, the Ottawas of the world, that you might dodge a bullet and not have to play. A Shesterkin on the other end of the ice, who you know, can be on any night, the best goalie on the planet when your goaltender is kind of struggling. And on top of it's one thing when you play the Islanders and Sorokin is really good and he could take over a game. The Islanders can't score the way the Rangers can score. The Rangers score every game. So you have to know that you're going to score four goals versus Shesterkin. I don't feel really comfortable knowing that the Devils can do that right now, the way that they're finishing.
1: No, for sure. And the fact that we have, you know, it seems like Ruff is just going to go with Blackwood and Vanacek at this point um, with with McKenzie coming back off of an injury. And it just seems like we have two question. Two question marks and, and again i i love vanacek and i think he had a great season i think he he's he has shown flashes of brilliance you know in other parts of the season which were maybe not necessarily seen right now through you know this past month and a half or so and then mckenzie blackwood he i thought he played a a, a good game against the senators um but we, he, he's been he's been streaky his entire career so um it seems like there's a lot up in the air with our goaltending currently
0: and, and, and i mean on top of that to parlay it it just the devils are not scoring goals the way that we know that they can and to me but- to me that's a problem You know, one guy who was shot out of a cannon last night was Eric Hall. Eric Hall played his ass off last night. He was in a zone, and you could tell. He was just, he was feeling it. And it was nice to see. I mean, another guy who, he led the team on the um, hockey stats card, um, underlying numbers, was Timo Meyer. And one thing I noticed with Timo Meyer was he played on a couple different lines. But when they moved him to the third line, he looked like a man possessed. He looked like they said, go out there and literally just dominate and you don't have to worry about passing the puck to Nico or passing the puck to Jack or getting open for them. or You don't have to share the puck with anybody. Just go nuts. And when he played on the third line, he's played on the third line only two games. And when he has, I think he's personally looked the most comfortable – and it he's driven the most play. He literally had, like, four shots on one shift. They didn't all get on net, but I'm saying he was dominating as far as carrying the puck, getting the puck towards net. You have to wonder, like, where if you're going to say, you know what, Meyer, you can drive your own line. Here's a couple pieces to put around you, but just go do your thing. And then you let a guy like... uh you know, whoever it is, you let a guy like Hollow really just like maybe go to the net hard and scrap for pucks and and try to make something happen. But I was I was impressed with Meyer more not playing with our other talented players than than I was um, when he was playing on a line with Hughes. Hughes had another rough game. His underlying numbers were pretty brutal. Pilat had a rough game. He had a giveaway obviously that led to a goal, which. I mean let's give a nod to uh, Kyle Palmieri. Kyle Palmieri played his ass off last night. He looked like the Kyle Absolutely. Palmieri. He looked like the Kyle Palmieri of old. Um, and also Pierre Ingball, who played on the line with him had a very strong game. He was um you know he's a 7th round pick from 2014 and he just he played really good. I think he had a goal last night and uh, I also noticed Noah Dobson played a hell of a game defensively last night for the Islanders. He played um, very strong. First round pick, twelfth overall in the 2018 draft, and that's just a stubborn team. That's a very hard team to play against. And when you have goaltending like that, they're going to be really hard to beat. I'm not so much worried about that game though. Is I'm worried about, and it's like I'm not worried, but I'm I'd be lying if I told you that. I wasn't concerned as to what the thought process was when it comes to not playing Boquist or Bastion, who is now ready to play, and to play 7D, 11 offense. I just feel like it's too late in the season. Kevin Ball has been one of our best defensemen, straight up. Ball was good last night. Ball has been good in the offensive zone and in the defensive zone. I keep bringing this up over and over because I'm like so impressed by his game. He smoked somebody last night. He is starting to play more physical. He looks which typically means that a kid is getting more comfortable. It's like they don't play physical because that's a commitment that you have to make. And if you get caught out of position, it makes you look stupid. He does not look like he's second guessing himself. And confidence is key when it comes to being a young defenseman. And he's only 22. And he's got a lot of room to grow. But, man, I am so impressed with his game. I think the future is very bright for Kevin Ball. The thought that you think that you need to play Brendan Smith at this point, instead of playing a Bastion or a Boquist, who I get it, Boquist doesn't score a ton of goals. You're going to need him in the playoffs. Are you really planning on playing seven defensemen and 11 forwards in the playoffs? You know, you're... right. Well, Hold up. To, to hold up one second. So you, yep. you're, you have nine games left. You have eight games left now. I understand that you switching up the lines and by you I mean Lindy Ruff but switching up yep. the lines really has been an advantage to us because pretty much anybody on our team can play with anybody at this point. My th- question is going into the playoffs you're going to need at least two lines or at least two pairings. So you're going to have to have you're going to have to leave some of these guys together for just a tiny bit. And you're kind of running out of time. So you need to figure out what you want to do. It's not fair to throw – if they go 7-11 and on Thursday and then they decide to throw Boquist and Bastion into the lineup literally with five games left in the season, how how do you expect them to be prepared for the playoffs? Or like, you know – you're not putting them in a position to succeed. You're 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 juggling them around too much. And I have had no problem with Lindy Ruff juggling lines, especially when lines weren't producing, but you you made it. You got to the point where you're gonna be in the playoffs, you're gonna need structure. You have to let some of these lines, you have to let some kind of chemistry happen at some point. You broke up the Tatar Nico Mercer line. It's like Put them back together. At least you know you have one solid line. And then, if you want to play Meyer on the third line, which I knew you didn't want to do, but if you want to just play Meyer on the third line and let him play with Halla and and whoever else, it's like do that. But you know, you could you could play Meyer with Halla and Boquist, and that would be yeah, well, that, that would be yeah, decent. I mean,
1: that yeah, that's I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, you ha- you have to think that you know, I've I've liked Timo's play. Um, he he plays hard you know that the the goals are going to come he's just you know grinding it out and he's making he's making plays happen they just haven't been you know executed on but you do have to think that he's he, he's coming from a situation where you know he was
0: yeah everything ran just go there. out
1: go out exactly just go out there and do it and you know like you're saying he he's thrive you know he he seems to thrive in that third line you know dynamic where it's just you're you're the guy and just carry it and and do it and going 11 and 7 and not playing boquist and you know bastion might be you know uh, a maintenance thing or or something along those lines but but boquist certainly isn't and if you're going to play timo on the third line then a boquist focus becomes much more a much more valuable piece to be able to
0: exactly you
1: know to, to throw it into a different line so you know you, you can't it, you can't have it both ways and we know what Brendan Smith is and we're not in the locker room apparently you know oh my we've been God. Saying this Appa- all year, but
0: apparently this guy says the craziest things ever on the bench and in the locker room to where he just deserves right. all the playing time in the world what could someone possibly be saying? Like, I understand that you need leadership and there's younger players, but not for nothing. I mean, Nico's not a rookie anymore. Nico's a veteran at this point, and you brought in Palat, and you have Dougie Hamilton, and I, I don't think Dougie's the most vocal dude, but it's like, what is, what is Brendan Smith saying that is so goddamn important that you need to throw him on the ice to make mistake after mistake after mistake when you have a perfectly good... Six defensemen in Kevin Ball. Right. I don't know. I yeah, I don't know the, either. I don't that's think anybody the, that, knows. That,
1: that, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's the big mystery. And, you know, it's, it's much easier to criticize coming off of a, a game last night where it seems
0: but as it, if. But, but it, was, it, wasn't last, it wasn't just last night. They did it in Ottawa, too. And it's like. They did. Do you think that you're benefiting Kevin Ball or Brendan Smith by playing both of those guys and splitting up? the time for the sixth defenseman who benefits from that? Like either play me or don't play me, but don't put me out there. Like let's let's look up his his time on ice. Don't put me out there for four minutes. You know what I mean? Or six minutes. That's like, that's embarrassing. Anyway. Um, you know, it, it really, it makes me wonder I don't know. I just don't see. I didn't see the urgency in the team, to be honest with you. Um, they were going to, you know, going into a divisional rival, and it hurts. And you realize they're not going to win the Metro. But now you have this game on Thursday, and the Rangers look good. The Rangers look real good. If the Devils can't get it by Shostak, or if. If they get, you know, they, they have to like make shit happen, is my point. They have to like make, they have to use their speed and they have to make things happen. And Thursday night is going to be a playoff preview, obviously, but it's going to get really heavy. And the game is going to get, I think it's going to, there's going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be a lot of physicality. It's going to be a very physical game and players are going to be going after each other and it's going to feel like a playoff game. And one of the things is the devils have to avoid getting coaxed into a game that's not their type of game. I understand that the other team wants to play heavy. It's okay to finish your checks. I want you to finish your checks. But don't try to turn into this team where you're taking runs at people or you are not using your speed through the neutral zone the way that is what our team is. If we don't use our speed and we try to – Play like the Rangers or we try to play like one of these other playoff teams that we're going to play against We're going to lose so it's very hard for a team to sustain the kind of physicality That a team comes out with typically in the first period of a playoff game Everybody comes out and they try to take each other's heads off But after a little while the game usually settles in and that's when the Devils have to just Stay their, you know stay their course just play your game continue to use your transition game as your weapon. And and I think they, ha- they have a chance, but it definitely, I would be lying to you if I said I felt good about the game on Thursday. I didn't feel good about the game the other day. They just haven't looked very sharp, in my opinion. Um, but one of the things that can be an advantage to the Devils, even if they were to lose to the Rangers, if they lose to the Rangers, and then the Rangers jump ahead of us, and they end up finishing second in the division, and we lose our home ice advantage versus the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs, it kind of puts more pressure on the Rangers to me. And I think that everyone will be looking at the Rangers, and you made a move, and you got Patrick Kane, and you got Tarasenko, and you have all these superstars, and Fox, and and everybody else, and Panarin, And I think it puts a little pressure on them and it takes a little pressure off of the devils and the devils go back into this underdog kind of role to where the devils played a lot better when they were the underdog, to be honest with you, in my opinion. And then once the league, they put the league on notice teams, kind of figured them out a little bit and it became, it became a little harder for them. I I actually think that it might benefit the devils if the Rangers get home ice over them and they kind of fly under the radar for a minute. And you know, the devils never get respect compared to the Rangers. So it's like, let's put, let's put the ball on the Rangers court and let's see what the, you know, and see what, what kind of surprise the devils could come up with. You know what I mean? Is that crazy?
1: No, no, I don't think that that's crazy at all. Um, Going back to what you're, you were saying earlier, I think that it would be foolish if we came out and tried to, to change up our game, you know, with what's been working the entire season. It's kind of like if you're a football fan, you watch a, you know, your defense dominate an entire game and then it's you know fourth the end of the fourth quarter and you drop into zone and you stop blitzing. You know, it's like you have it's like you have to play to win to you have to do what you've been what has been what you've been successful at and it's, it's not like the devils are the devils. They were three years ago where we were completely undersized and, you know, just basically had no physicality whatsoever. We have some big guys. You know, we we, have, we have, Our defense is actually pretty big. And we have, I feel like much stronger, players on offense than we did three years ago obviously so it's not like we're gonna go out there and be a bunch of goons but I don't want to get away from our speed and playmaking which is what has been our bread and butter
0: yeah but recently we haven't finished and you have to put the puck you got to put the puck in the net and that's what I'm saying. If like you're going to be playing, you're we're a team that's struggling finishing right now, and we're about to go play arguably the best goaltender in the world in a series. That doesn't help, especially when our goaltending does not look as sharp as it was at the beginning of the season. So those are the, those are like the kind of things that concern me a little bit as far as like speed and skating and, and even our defense. I mean, our defense has been a little bit sloppy as of late, but I still think our defense. I mean we could definitely hang with the Rangers. Um I don't know. I think this weekend or this weekend, I think this Thursday this game is going to be a, a big test and it's going to maybe set the tone to where if the Devils come out and beat the Rangers, let's say they beat the Rangers uh 4 to 2 in regulation or 3 to 1 in regulation, I think it's going to like really jazz the team up and go a long way with the team. If the other thing happens and the Devils end up losing to the Rangers it could it could just continue to fuel the monster that is the Rangers right now and the Devils could start with a bunch of young players could start questioning themselves going into the playoffs so you, you don't know it's like you really don't know it I wish I had an idea as to how mature the team really is right now and if they were to drop a couple big games versus a couple big Metro rivals how far that goes when it comes to their confidence and their uh, what their thought process is going into the first round of the playoffs after n- most of these guys never playing in the playoffs before?
1: Again, not in the locker room. I wish I had the, the answer to that one as well. Um, I still think that the Devils can obviously beat any team in the NHL. Um, it's I do think that it does come down to confidence and playing loose. And I think those two things are a delicate balance. You know, we saw it with Jack, which we talked about, you know, how many times on previous podcasts before. He was just forcing it and you get that frustration. And I don't think that some of these older guys <clears throat> who have been there let that, you know, snake bitten.
0: Yeah, Palat's in...
1: Drought. Like Palat, Dr- Drought, shake him.
0: Like, Palat's in a, in a slump right now. And, right. I mean, is anybody worried about Palat going into the playoffs? I don't think so. I mean, you know what I mean? Exactly.
1: I mean, how, how many scoring opportunities did he have?
0: Oh, man. He looks so good versus Ottawa. He looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and they're going to start going in for him.
1: It's, exactly. uh In the it's, same way that we're talking about that Hollow was going to start coming on right. in... And again, he had one he had one short handed goal, so I'm not trying to
0: But he was but he was all uh, over the ice last night. He was our best player. He by was. far.
1: It, right. It was just you see that the guys that are going to take it to that next level when the pressure is really on, and you're hoping that they're gonna be able to, you know, give these younger guys a little bit of breathing room to, to where they're not gripping the stick too tight. We've said that a million times as well where they're not going to feel the weight of the world on their shoulders and that they have to do everything. And hopefully it just frees everyone up to play their game, even Teemo. Um, and I think that Timo, Timo's a vet and all that, but again, you're hoping that you bring in these veteran guys for the playoffs and they're going to be able to alleviate some of the pressure on just simply execution.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, unfortunately, teams have to, they have, they have to go through that playoff experience. And it's really hard for a team to start winning rounds in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at whoever's going to win the Eastern conference, holy moly, like you have to go through a gauntlet of teams. I mean, think about how many good teams you have to beat. If you want to make it just to the Stanley cup, In the Eastern Conference between Boston, Toronto, the Devils, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, it's like, it goes on and on and on. It's like, wow, whoever that's going to be, somebody's going to be very tired after uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. But, uh, excuse me, but um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, Tampa, too. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it goes on and on. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. No, I, it, yeah, no. Yeah, no, I know. It's I'm not even saying. fair. It really isn't. Right. Like, if you get lucky, you get to play the Penguins because um, they don't have any playoff experience. Or, you right. know, you get to play the Islanders who, I mean, they're literally built for the playoffs. Right. Um So... It will. It's going to be a difficult test for somebody, but Thursday night should be very interesting. And I just hope the Devils come out and really... I think it would be a good win for their psyche, for sure. Um, And I'm curious to see who they play, because I'm not a fan of the seven defensemen, 11 forwards at this point in the season. I think that's something that you play with at the beginning of the season to see... feel people out a little bit. At this point, you should know what your roster is. Um, And between between foot and bastion and bowquist it's like figure it out man like figure out your figure out who you want to be in your starting lineup all right you don't want to have the lines correct there's only 8 games left until the playoffs if you don't want to have the lines correct at least know who's going to play in the playoffs how the hell do you have the third most amount of points in the league and you still don't even know who you think should be on the roster like come on man I also saw a thing today that said that lindy ruff is gonna contemplate retirement after the season so that should be interesting um who knows who knows about that and i think that's a little early for that well, that's
1: interesting where where did you we're
0: just on twitter or on the google machine um yeah there was google a machine yeah, yeah there was a, um i saw it on uh like instagram or something and who knows how, how i mean whatever but um, right. it would it would not surprise me at all. Like he came in to basically like grow the kids. The kids are grown, and I mean, right. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he was if he was ready to hang him up. He's had a long career. Yeah, you
1: have to think that. And again, don't know what goes on in the locker room, but um, they probably would. Those players in the locker room would have the best sense of whether that's true or not, and. Yeah, they'd want to hopefully make they show out. up. But hopefully they show up for him. Right.
0: Maybe everybody can hop on uh Andrew Burnett's drunk bus and uh head <laughs> on over to the garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Here we go, people. Everybody get on. Next stop, Murphy's. The old the the old Andrew Burnett bar crawl.
1: Yeah, I picture him like uh Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Dugan from uh league of Therone <laughs> on the, on the bus.
0: <laughs> Just taking a leak for like 10 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle, you'll be at the game. We'll, we'll be going up to the game together. We're bringing, we're bringing William and, um, and we got the pickle up here. It's going to be, yeah it's gonna be a real be family affair su- for sure
1: super i'm super pumped i mean there's nothing more exciting than a rangers devils game in my opinion and
0: uh, a, uh, a big one, one
1: where though. no i know i mean even when they've been meaningless they're they're big knowing that in all likelihood we're going to be playing them in the first round of the playoffs um it's going to be a preview of what we're seeing and you know uh two weeks after that i mean it's it's there's going to be some serious serious huh? vibes
0: and energy oh my god i'm like i don't know if i'm like built for this right now it's like i have a whole life besides hockey that i don't need like it's like almost hard to enjoy like once the playoffs roll around it is going to be very i'm uh, very emotionally invested at this point so um and you already have one broken hand, so Yeah, I already broke my <laughs> broke my one hand, which I went to the orthopedic today and he, he said it's healing. I said, Yeah, well um oh. someone someone shook my hand and uh it, it really hurt. Um Jeff from Devil's Insider must be like a Mason or something because he like my hand crumbled when he when he shook. When he shook it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was like and I was like he goes, yeah, that's going to hurt for a while. I said, how long do you think? He's like, about a year and a half. I was like,
1: oh, fuck. no, oh, that's not too bad. I and mean, then <laughs> they fly by.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, Kyle, thanks for hopping on. I don't want to keep you too long. But um,
1: yeah, of course. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so excited for, for Thursday. And uh, let's go Devils. Thanks, Bill.
0: Yeah, man. Take it easy, brother. So, um, I basically, I, you know, the devils clinched the playoffs and I was extremely excited. Obviously it's been the first time since the 2017, 18 season, that Taylor hall season, which even at the time I felt it was pretty fluky, the devils won a ton of one goal games, which they're doing again this year, which definitely concerns me a little bit. And I brought up in previous podcasts, you want to see some outright wins, some more outright wins, because all it takes is a, a wrong uh, bounce of the puck, and, th- and those games change. You know what I mean? You can't rely on winning in overtime over and over and over. You can't rely on scoring in the last minute of the game with the goalie pulled over and over and over. But that Taylor Hall season was definitely special. There's no doubt about that. Um, but... I kind of almost don't even count that we won one game and uh, and I, I was there. It was actually, it was so fun. Uh, I miss, I missed the playoffs so much and I'm looking forward to this year's we, we did before that, the last game I was at was the was the devil's Rangers Henry game six overtime um, goal. So it's just been a long time. And uh, you know, you wonder how does it, how does a team suffer for 10 seasons? literally 10 years how does a team go through so much pain so i started putting together this little thing going over how we got to where we are today because where we are today is the most promising team i've seen in forever it actually it reminds me of i want to say the 2008 new york giants team which I believe would have won the super bowl it was the year after they won the super bowl with the helmet catch and plexico shot himself in the leg in the club wearing sweatpants in a club like george costanza from seinfeld he gave up on life and in order for them to like show you what to symbolize give, giving up on life was he was wearing sweatpants out in public meanwhile plexico burris is a professional athlete who just won the super bowl He's going to a nightclub and he has his gun in his sweatpants and it leads to him getting shot. And I it cost it cost the Giants a potential Super Bowl, let's be real. But whatever. That's a whole other story. So basically what I did was I went through since the 2011-2012 Devils team and I went over the past 11 years. And I did it very vaguely cuz we don't have all night, but it'll give you an idea as to where how we got to what we have now so we could start with our drafting so um, our drafting was really tough it was bad it was just flat-out bad now Lou Lamorello left the Devils in 2015 but he made these picks from 2011 to 2015 so let's go through the Devils picks So in 2011, um, we actually, we had a, we had a good pick. We picked um, Adam Larson, which Adam Larson was, is a good player. There's no doubt about it. We had big expectations for him because we picked him fourth overall. So think about it's like kind of picking like a Luke Hughes. The problem was the players that were picked Adam after Adam Larson, you had Ryan Strom. You had Zabanajad, Mark Scheifele, Sean Couturier, Dougie Hamilton. Uh, you had J.T. Miller, Joel Armia, Clefbaum. It's like you had all of these players. It's like if if you could have got if you could have got a Zabanajad or a Scheifele or a Couturier or drafted Hamilton, that's kind of a big whiff. So the Devils kind of had a rough. They had a rough. Uh, it was a rough draft for them. Then you get into 2012. The Devils pick 29th and they get Stefan Matteau, which is baffling to me. You draft Stefan Mateau. Why would you ever want that name associated with our team? That's like, that makes no sense. Stefan Matteau, out of everybody in the world, you're gonna draft a guy whose father scored the game-winning goal in the most watched Devils Ranger hockey game ever? Really? Most celebrated moment of a as Ranger fans ever, Mateau, Matteau. Like really, you're gonna draft this guy? He was a bum. In 2013, we didn't have a pick in the first round because that was the year 2013. Yeah, that was uh that was the year that we traded for Corey Schneider. So we traded our first round pick who ended up being Bo Horvat for Corey Schneider. And Corey Schneider played amazing for a couple seasons, but let's be real, he had some injury problems, they didn't have a team in front of him, and you look at what Bo Horvat is doing now and how good of a player he's been for as long as he has, you probably would have been off better off keeping that, that pick. In 2014, it gets worse because we get the last pick in the draft. And we get the last pick in the draft because we made the trade for Ilya Kovalchuk and then we signed Kovalchuk to this stupid deal and it pissed the NHL off and they fined the devils and then they took a draft pick from him. So we signed Kovalchuk to a 17 year deal, $102 million. And basically what we tried to do is we tried to circumnavigate the cap. The NHL thought it was Bush league, they hit us with a $3 million fine and then I don't, It might've even have been by season. And then they took our draft pick away, a first round pick. So when Kovalchuk ended up going over to Russia quitting on us, they gave us a pick back, but they gave us the last pick in the draft. And the last pick of the draft was John Quenville. So we're not having a good draft. This has not been good from 2000 to 2015 which is where we draft our buddy, Pavel Zaka. Poor Pavel Zaka. Listen to how this draft goes. Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Dylan Strom, Mitch Marner, Noah Hannafin, and then we get Pavel Zaka at six. You're thinking six foot three, 200 pound center, great hands can shoot the puck like nobody's business. Great release. Did not translate well with the Devils. And we kind of... He had a rough go of it when it came to our coaching staff as well, and I'm not blaming our coaching staff. But obviously, Zaka did not work out as a devil. But listen to these picks that were picked right after him: Ivan Provorov, Zach Warenski, Timo Meyer, Miko Rantanen, Lawson Kraus, Gurionov, Jake DeBrusk, Matt Barzell, Kyle Connor, Shabbat, Savetchnikov, Joel Ericksonek, Brock Besser, Travis Connectney. It just goes on and on and on. Brutal. You basically could have just, you could have just got the first round and just threw a dart at it and picked whoever and it would have been a better pick than what we got. Sucks. So then in 2016 with the 12th overall pick, we're really like we're striking out a lot here. So with the 12th overall pick, we pick Mike McLeod. Mike McLeod is a lifetime fourth liner. He's played better as of late, but we passed on, and I'm not trying to be a Monday morning quarterback. I hate when people do that, but I'm just like telling you how we got to where we are. So we got we passed on Jake Bean, we passed on Charlie McAvoy, we passed on Jacob Chikrin. Um it was Tage Thompson. So we dropped the ball there. The Devils started making trades. And they were trading this is up to 2016. So they traded for Corey Schneider. We traded a first round pick. We traded for Kyle Palmieri. We traded a second and a third round pick. The Hall for Law, uh, Larson trade ended up working in our favor. We traded Adam Henrique for and, Uh We traded for Vantinen, We traded Henrique and got a third and a third rounder. We traded a third rounder for Patrick Maroon. We traded a second and a third rounder for Marcus Johansson. So you could see we were we were just we were basically spending and giving up all of our assets and we were getting players back who are never going to pan out. And I think one of the reasons that we did that was we didn't want to bottom out and we didn't have much to give and we were just trying to hang on by a thread and all we did was make it worse. And I feel like that's, I see teams doing it now, you know, you look at like the flyers, I'd much rather be the Blackhawks or, you know, Anaheim, or like one of these teams that just, or Montreal that is just completely understands their position, where they are in their franchise, and they're willing to bottom out and they're going to rebuild. During that time, Lou Lamorell leaves in 2015. We fire Peter DeBoer in 2014, who brought us to the Stanley Cup. We replace him with Adam Oates and Scott Stevens. They don't make it. We replace him with John uh, John Hines. He doesn't make it nazardine he doesn't make it and now we're on to rough you went through three general managers in that time period as well so i mean there is a lot of upper management turnover which is typically not a good thing but then 2017 comes and this is the day that the devil's franchise changes forever we end up winning the lottery and we draft nico he and nico he has been the guy that we had built our team around and a lot of people compare him to Cal McCarr because Cal McCarr was drafted in the same draft class. He was drafted third overall earth or fourth. I, I can't remember. It was McCarr Heiskinen, both of which are just amazing players, but we didn't draft Nolan Patrick. Thank God. Think about how different the team would be if we drafted Nolan Patrick first overall, which a lot of people had as first overall pick. So we win, we get Nico. He comes to the team. He's young. We throw him right in, right into the fire. But he's part of that Taylor Hall team who actually, he kind of learns how to win a little bit. He makes it to the playoffs. He sees what it's like to play with an MVP type player. Um, Then we draft Ty Smith in 2018, which was a great draft pick. He fell to us. And then we ended up using that Ty Smith draft draft pick and we traded him for John Marino and John Marino has been a real anchor on the back end for the team. And he's going to be with us for the next, I believe it's four or five years. So Marino is a long-term piece for us. And I mean, I'm not saying Ty Smith's never going to be good, but where we, where we're at in our development, Marino is such a perfect fit for us. 2019 comes. What happens? We hit the lottery again and we get Jack Hughes. We also draft Ohutuk. And in 2020, we pick Alex Holtz, but we had a bunch of assets at this point from trading away our veterans. And we are able to pick Dawson Mercer at uh, 18 overall. And Mercer was a pick that we got from the Taylor Hall trade to Arizona. Huge, huge for us. We also drafted Mohamed Dulan. So with our second rounder in 2019, Ohutuk and Mohamed Dulan in 2020, we used two of those pieces, and we went out and we traded both of them and some picks for and Fabian Zetterlin, for Timo Meyer this year, and Timo Meyer is a total game changer. So now we're like stockpiling people. We're stock t- stockpiling p- uh, talent. In 2021, we draft Luke Hughes' brother at number four overall and Chase Stillman. Still not a fan of the Stillman pick. And then in 2022, we end up hitting the lottery again and we get Simone Nemitz. So now we have two of the, if you go by the athletic, we literally have two of the top four prospects in the world who have never even suited up for the Devils once. Pretty crazy. We started making better trades too. So we got a first rounder that we used, that we turned into Mercer for Hall. We got Kevin Ball, who's going to be a full-time defenseman. And we got a third round pick. We also traded Blake Coleman to Tampa, which worked out for Tampa. He won a Stanley Cup with him. But we got Foot and we got a first. And that first turned into Muhammad Doolin and we traded him for Timo Meyer. We made a trade. We got... We gave away a third rounder for Jonas Siegenthaler. Siegenthaler couldn't find time on the ice because the Capitals' back end was so good, Orlov, and um, you know you go down the line. I'm I'm John Carlson. It was a very very tough lineup to crack, and we were able to get Siegenthaler for a third rounder, and now he signed a long term deal with us. Team friendly deal. We traded Graves. We got Graves for a second rounder. We got VTech for a second and a third which were from last year, so we don't have to deal with that anymore. So we've made some really good moves and majority of those moves were Tom Fitzgerald. And we actually have a real general manager at the home right now. We have a real general manager, we have an abundance of talent. And now we're about to have our first real glimpse of the team in the playoffs and they're about to get the, the playoff experience that they need. And if the Devils don't win a round this year or win two rounds, don't be surprised but every young team has to go through this. This is part of the process. And you go back and the closest team that you could resemble, that resembles us is the Colorado Avalanche. And they took their lumps and we're gonna take our lumps. And it's okay because we have, we we literally, we have a Kael McCarr in the wings coming in the way that the Avalanche did. And we have a Bo and Byram the way the Avalanche did. And then you don't, and then you're basically competitive for literally the next 10 years. It's a serious luxury. And you really can't give you can't give uh, Tom Fitzgerald enough credit. All right. So I think that'll do it. We are. um, Man, I can't believe we're going to play the Rangers in two days. It's going to be a preview of the playoffs wild, right? Anyway, you're listening to The Trap Podcast. My name is Bill Botch. Hope you guys enjoyed yourself. I'll catch up with you uh, after the game on Thursday. Let's go.